listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing well. Look, uh, I'm excited for today's guest. The um, uh, Because we're talking, well, we're not talking about the actual equipment, I suppose. We're talking about marketing it, but we're talking about big machines that cut trees down, which I understand that, you know, some people may not like the idea that there are machines out there cutting trees down. But my grandfather ran a logging company for pretty much his entire life. And um, so I just kind of grew up around that a little bit. Uh, So it's kind of cool to be talking to uh, 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 someone who is in the business of, of marketing uh, for a manufacturer of, uh, of this kind of equipment. So I'm just, uh, I'm in, you know, I'm in my happy place, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I am as well. And, and I mean, another great thing is our guest is located in Canada in La Belle Provence to Quebec. <laughs> it's always exciting. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to make this about you and me, but my first gig as a designer of, of university was working for the region's largest forestry company. And I spent most of my time in the woods chasing feller bunchers around with a camera. So I've seen this stuff in action. It's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to, uh, to, uh, to dive into it. So why don't we do just that? Sounds good to me. All right. So joining us today is Alan Roson. Alan is the Director of Marketing Communications at LTech. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Alan. Thank you for the invite. Love being here. So uh, just just before I even get into myself, I, had, I actually, you know, before I started working for this company, uh, you know, actually, while I went to school, I was a tree planter. So I was kind of on the, on the opposite spectrum of of this industry. And, you know, I, I told a few people initially, hey, I'm going to be working for this place. And you kind of get a mixed review until you ask them, you know, you ask the person who's kind of like you, you work for a company that destroys forests. And I go. And it was actually during the pandemic that I started working for these guys. And I said, how, how do you like your lumber prices right now? You know, how did, how's your house built? And, and so that immediately draws a, hmm, you know, a little, a, a slight pause. And then there was, you know, I, I still, I still personally kind of struggled with it a little bit. And, but I made friends with an engineer at uh, LTech and he, uh, if you know any engineers, they always have a very logical sort of you know, way of dissecting and processing and, and telling you things. And the argument, which I went and, and confirmed on my own afterwards is this, as long as forestry, the practice is properly managed and it's sustainable, which is, which is proven to be the case in, in a lot of areas. It's not that that's not the case in, in some areas, but as long as you cut down the tree and you don't burn it, you're actually, that's a carbon capture method. So mm. for people that are concerned about climate change, et cetera, you know, when you look at eucalyptus tree, you could, you know, it's, there, there are, it's a balancing act. So there, there's going to be a negative impact and a consequence, but if you want to be able to build your house in any kind of way that's affordable, that isn't three, 3d printed, you're still going to need wood. Um, and I, I've always seen forestry probably as a result of that initial uh, three year stint at uh, JD Irving as it's basically a, a completely renewable farming process. You know, if you're, if you're managing it properly and, uh, you know, we can still have, you know, I don't, we can still have diverse forests, but we can also have farms of forests that are used to create a product 
that is absolutely needed. Well, and, and, and there's also the methodologies which continue to evolve and, you know, research will, will, you know, science is science. Science will, you're supposed to question it so that it becomes better. So what you're seeing are forestry practices are shifting towards selective instead of clear cutting. And that's, that's pretty much across the developed uh, world. Uh, and for ones that want to do clear cut, you know, they'll use um, they'll use the plantation method, which is, you know, focused on mostly on eucalyptus and jack pine. That's what we see, you know, jack pine in New Zealand, which isn't a native tree, but the thing grows like a weed. It's a gigantic, gigantic, you know, product at the end of the day. Um, you know, I think they might be done, but unfortunately they were exporting most of it to China. I, I think that's maybe on the <laughs> that might be a little a little a little less the case these days. Um, and I'm sure will be as, as, as inevitably more sanctions are going to come through, uh, that affect the world. You know, we had Russia as a client before the war, um, you know, just to give you an, a, an example of how a small company in a relatively isolated part of the world, which is nor Northern Quebec was international. It's kind of like one of these weird things where it's, you know, it's a longtime friend who owns this place, uh, who never did any kind of concentrated effort for marketing because they didn't have to, they always had, you know, their, 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 their sales list was always, it still is, uh, months, if not years, uh, lead time. So they never had a problem selling the machines. Um, but as the world sort of shifts and things change and, you know, they're seeing less demand for big machines, they're seeing, they're seeing growing demand for smaller machines. So they're, you know, they're going in that direction. You know, now there's talk about hybrid in terms of uh, the machine itself. You know, or is it always going to run on diesel? Today it does. Will it tomorrow? No. What's that going to look like? So, you know, nothing is static. Uh, everything from forestry practices to what the machine does and how it's built and what it's supposed to do. All those things are, you know, if, if you're looking to, to lock something into a forever mode, you're probably going to fail because things are constantly changing. And this industry is no different. Man, we could uh, we bounce around fast there. Uh, but <laughs> it, uh, I, I do, first off, I want to say that I think an awful lot of manufacturing marketers find themselves working in categories that uh, uh, possibly their friends or the great unwashed masses don't understand. Um, and maybe carry a negative view of um, uh, uh, because of that lack of understanding, and and I so I do think that discussion about forestry was helpful, not just uh, for forestry per se, but I think it's a it's a commonality, you know, whether it's um, you know somebody working in a in, in in an area that that is maybe you know tangentially related to mining and metal extraction or something of that nature. And Listen, there's there's no denying that there's there is there's always a consequence. There's always going to be some level of negative impact. It's a matter of how much you mitigate it and how intelligent you are in approaching that. Well, I do think it's a, it's kind of incumbent upon the marketers a bit to kind of um, tell that it's story. Good to, well, and to struggle. It's okay to struggle with this narrative in order to figure it out yourself because it also helps the brand. I'm going to give you guys. I'm going to give you guys a reveal, and I'm, I'm I don't think I'm shooting myself in the foot. And I won't give you the complete picture. One of the so, Eltec, the company I work for, which makes the machines, is actually a group of companies, and one of those companies, uh, just to show kind of like. A level of fortitude now of course it's financially based because why else would you run a business but one of the companies is called interlube now not the greatest brand name i wasn't there to select that um but the uh the company itself is biological 
So biodegradable fluids, hydraulic, motor oil, uh, antifreeze, um, all this stuff. And they cater to mining because mining is quickly shifting toward electrification underground. Uh, and uh, they are moving to all their fluids being um, biodegradable. And, and it's a really early category. But these guys were smart enough to develop a quick company and service it. And they're growing it like, like crazy. Like there's the demand for it is they can't meet the demand. That's, that's what that business is. So the reason mining is adopting this, this so quickly is because if they have a spill, if there's a hydraulic hose that bursts and there's a spill, it's not, it's not a contamination issue, right? So if you, if you spill hydraulic fluid today on a mine site, the machine shuts down, the inspector has to come in, they report, you know, they calculate the area, they calculate what they have to do to remove the ground, to, to take it away. Like there's a work stoppage against that. If there's biodegradable hydraulic fluid in that same machine, the pipe bursts, which inevitably, you know, heavy, heavy equipment runs into stuff like that. It, it, it's, it's, it's hard work, no matter how, how big and, and, and robust you make a machine. So hydraulic hose bursts, hydraulic biodegradable hydraulic fluid spills to a certain quantity. This is all sort of governmentally regulated from a quantity perspective and all that stuff. But to a certain percentage, that spill happens. They replace the hose and keep working because, you know, the sales guy, you know, I was working with a, with one of the sales guys and he was doing a presentation of the mines. And I said, why don't we do this? I said, this, this stuff is really like, like we have, we have versions of this stuff that is completely non-toxic. Right. And he goes, yep. And I said, let's put it as salad dressing on all the tables. <laughs> and he's like, are you crazy? I'm like, well, do, do you think you could drink it and not die or not have any negative? Like where, how, how, how where are you on this product? Like how far can we go? And so he's like, yeah, we didn't go quite that far. We, we did something else. Um, but, you know, he took a shot of it. He drank it. And he's like, this is what's in your machine. And, you know, that's if there's not a proof of confidence in the product from a non-toxicity perspective, you know, that was that was kind of like a, you know, a Shazam, a Shazam kind of sales moment or, uh, you know, magic, magic trick, so to speak. Sham wow or something. Maybe, yeah, you know? yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> just, that, that was the tactic. That was the tactic. You know, there's a power presentation behind and then he kind of goes like, no, no, no. Um, it's brilliant. It works. Now, what I'm, the reason I'm saying all this, cause this is another business that I work on because it's part of this group of businesses, which include Altec. So this business is services, primarily mining. And the reason for that is because governmentally, the government has really forced mining to become, uh, much greener. And that's in this region specifically, there's a lot of, a lot of lithium deposits and they're going to be mining that to you know, to God, to, to God knows what end. Uh, so they're trying to really push an environmental component so that our stuff is as clean as possible. That regulation is, you know, was, was pushed, but it's going to trickle to other industries, including forestry. So what I'm going to be doing with the launch of the new uh, product, which is the new website for LTech, is we're going to, I'm just taking two pieces to a puzzle and putting them together and you know it's not it's not a prerequisite it actually costs more to do this for you know the distributor and the operator but it's inevitable it's coming uh we're gonna we're gonna offer LTech bio so there's no demand for this there's no one calling us going hey can we get your machine with biodegradable fluids in it like no one's asking for that because why would they right uh, but it's going to come from a regulatory perspective. It's going to arrive. It's inevitable. 
So it gives us the chance with two existing pieces that are already under the same ownership to create a new product and be the first at doing it. So that that's the kind of stuff where I, I, I come in and as a marketer, you know, you, the perception oftentimes, especially in these environments, is you're going to come in, you know, you're going to write copy, you're going to take pictures, you're going to do the social media, you're going to, but you know what? We solve business problems too, and we create business opportunities. And that's one example, which I'm, I'm literally announcing now, which I, I may be shooting myself in the foot because if it doesn't, if it doesn't get launched for whatever reason, then I'm, I'm essentially lying at this point, but I've been working on these guys to do this uh, for about six months because there's a lot of moving parts. And there's already, you know, uh, an issue with the pipeline to service the existing business. It's one of these businesses that's literally on a hockey stick curve. Like they have so much demand that they, they, they can barely get enough product to satisfy it. So all I'm doing is I'm adding to that demand. So they're kind of like, whoa, hold on a second. Well, let's talk about adding that demand because, of course, the company's in the process of expanding capacity and production. Um, and... Uh, you know that that that's not something that every uh, marketer finds themselves uh, working in, but it, it's surprising. <laughs> you know, I, I must say I, I, about uh, thinking through. Um, you know, even the the clients that, that we work with here at Cool and you know, there's a good percentage of them that are actively engaged in expanding their production facility. So it is, you know, it is a, a bit of a consistent challenge in some ways for at least a slice of manufacturing marketers to say, we have this pipeline today. We have what feels like uh, excessive demand, but we also now know that we're five months away or six months away or one month away or whatever it is from that capacity coming on stream. What's it? I guess what are uh, what are we doing to build that pipeline in advance? Because uh, or, or is it required? I guess because uh, you mentioned there's a lot of demand already. It's a, it's actually a, to be with Eltech specifically. It's it's kind of it's kind of simple in a way. So their production f- facilities are going to double their production numbers, their output. Now that'll take three to six months to get to where they're flowing and they're they're spinning machines out that way. Um, but that, so that, so they, they, right now today we have about, it's, I think it's a six to eight month, uh, sales list. So there's, there's a production schedule and there's that many machines that have had a deposit and that's kind of how they run, you know, the production schedule is actually in the assembly plant and just so everyone knows, like, you know, that's the ones we're working on and the next ones are here. Um, just to kind of keep it there. Once they increase, once that three to six months down the road, that, that production is doubled, well, that six to eight month lead list goes down to three or four. So, you know, that's, and when a business with a business that doesn't want machines sitting in the yard, um, that's, you know, once you get to that, to that three month, you're sort of going like, okay, we don't, we need to, we need more, we need more. So it's a little bit reactionary, but the reaction is this. I worked on, I worked on OTDA, which is uh, Ontario Toyota Dealers Association. So I have, I have, I have a dealership kind of world ex- experience, pretty extensive actually. So LTEC only has, I think it's, I mean, if it's 10 dealerships, I think I'm, I'm kind of on the money there. They don't have a lot of distributors. So how do you, how do you get more sales? You get more dealerships and all it really takes, you know, so there's a, there's a list of machines ordered and that's that window. And then, you know, without, before I arrived, you know, the, one of the sales guys kind of like kept uh, a sort of a rough lead list and all, all I had to do, and I just did it, 
you know, probably a month ago, I think. All I had to do was write kind of a nice email and gave it to him and, um, you know, an HTML email with an, you know, image and stuff like that. But they, he'd already established the, the communications and, and it's not that there was, this was sort of, you know, ground through a CRM platform. This is just him on the phone and sending emails. And so with that short lead list, he took my email and he sent it and we got a dealership. Like it's not the model. So, and that's part of the reason why, you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of shifting the way I work is because I'm not really in the, in the business of, of demand generation. I'm in the business of demand, like I'm sustaining demand. I'm used to being in a position where it's Pepsi versus Coke and, you know, you want half a, half a, a point market share increase, how much you have to spend to get that. You know, that's, that's kind of my, that's where I came from. And that's, that's not what it is today. <clears throat> now, their um, plan is to grow into a company that, you know, has another manufacturing plant, you know, turn it into a large corporation as opposed to a family business. Today, it's still a family business. The plan is to grow it into something that sort of can compete uh, on, a, on a larger stage with some of the competitors that are out there. Now, some of the competitors are still private. You know, the, the one that, that we get compared most to is Tiger Cat. Tiger Cat's everywhere. They're global. The funny thing about Altec, for as small as it is, it's also global. And the the <clears throat> what could be perceived as a weakness from you know not having all the sort of you know the the tools in place to to process requests and do that. You know what that actually does in as an alternative. What it what actually occurs is it gives the it gives the sense of a personalized service. So when you call, it's a person. There's no there's no ticket assigned to request. There's none of that stuff. But if you want to scale the business, it's going to be inevitable. It's it's a necessity if you want to get to a point where you're you know, you're servicing a global, true global sort of distribution model where you've got hundreds, if not thousands of machines being spit out every year. They're not that yet. So on the flip side, I've tried to use the things that seemingly are lacking and I've repositioned them as strengths. So the the way we get dealerships on is, yeah, yeah when I call Caterpillar, they don't, they don't answer me for two days. When I call Eltec, I got the person on the phone when I call them. So, you know, I, I look at all those things and I go like, you know, I assume myself coming in, that's a weakness. And in the long term, as you scale up, it will be. But today, right now, I, I, it's, it's actually a strength. Trying to, uh, it was, that's who it was. It was uh, SMED. Uh, there were an uh, interior uh, wall uh, for offices and whatnot, manufacturer uh, based out of uh, uh, Calgary that was eventually purchased by Hayworth out of Michigan, I believe. Uh, and uh, they had a for, for the longest time. If you called Smed, uh, the phone picked up before it rang. I don't know what they had in their system or what kind of like you you would never hear the phone ring. You would call them and it would just pick up and it was the person, and that was that was designed. <laughs> so you're saying, oh, you know, we just don't have the efficiencies yet. Well, you know, I think even as you incorporate those efficiencies, you can find ways to deliver on that service. Oh, no, listen, I mean, I, I can't say too much, but there is a lot of, so the build, as the building expands, the message is clear that other things need to change and evolve as well. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get into too many specifics because uh, we've also run into a, a scenario where, as a small manufacturer, uh, we, how can I say this without saying it? We've been targeted uh, 
for various things that come down to corporate espionage. <laughs> and so the systems we're putting in place are to uh, raise our level of security and all that stuff. We're going to have a VoIP system for calls. Today is still a landline. Uh, so you get there's you know, we have a receptionist. There's a receptionist who's at the front desk and she takes all the calls and she redirects them like it's still it's still that way. Um, so, yeah, the things you're mentioning, I'm I'm well aware of. Uh, I actually had I launched Vonage in Canada way back in the day. So I'm super familiar with VoIP. Um, all the other things that I've mentioned from CRM to sort of, you know, extendable or cloud-based ERP solutions and a help desk and all, they will come. I've, I've been the carrier of the torch, um, but there needs to be, you know, I can't do this alone. So I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to corral buy-in kind of similar to the, to the extent where, you know, I've been able to convince ownership of providing a product that has never been requested in terms of a bio forestry product, biofluid forestry product, um, you know, it takes a while for, for the message. And then, you know, they got to hear it sometimes from, from somewhere externally. And then you go, yeah, I've been hearing that from my guy internally. And then, you know, next thing you know, it, it's, it starts to move. Um, they are very much, you know, the, the logo for the business is uh, by loggers for loggers. That's not a coincidence. The guy, my friend who owns this, whose name is Patrick, um, he, his father and his grandfather, they were all loggers. Uh, that's what, that's where they came from. Like, you know, I, I grew up with Patrick, but then, you know, I went my way to Toronto <clears throat> and he went into the bush and he cut trees for 10 years. Like, <laughs> so, you know, he knows the machines, he knows the market for machines. He knows the manufacturers, he knows the players. Um, and he knows how to build them at this point because they've, they've had 12 years to figure that out and get it to a place where it's kind of like, yeah, these things run really well. Um, but when it comes to, you know, talking about, um, you know, share a voice uh, from an advertising perspective when you've, you've kind of tried or not tried to spend any dollars on advertising, what's the point, right? I've got eight months. I've got an eight month waiting list. Why would I? So, you know, all these things are, are coming to be, but it's not a flick of the switch. You know, I've, I've seen some, we've, we've had a couple consultancies come in for various things unrelated to anything I'm speaking about today, but, and the consultancy, you know, because they don't, they, they want to present things in a very sort of, you know, flowery way. Like these guys are loggers, man. <laughs> these guys, <laughs> I do, I did an annual report for all my activity last year. That was the first time they'd seen an annual report for marketing activity. Like there was, there's no one doing that before. So it's all new and you can't expect when you're, when you're presenting all new stuff for it to kind of, you know, it'll flick a switch in terms of like, huh, I didn't know that, but buy in, spend money, do this, train people, you know, all these things that come with that, the butterfly effect, so to speak. Um, it's not small. So it's easy to imagine in this kind of scenario where, you know, there's no question that there are a lot of marketing uh, challenges uh, in a in a business that hasn't focused a lot on marketing is in the early stages, um, and you know, so it's easy to imagine the benefits that come with um, having a level of personal friendship or connectivity with the ownership. Uh, it, it's uh, so it's, yeah, it's easy to imagine you know that, that that there would be some benefits that come with having that level of of, of personal connectivity with ownership. And I've encountered a number of marketers in a similar position in the past. 
I'm always curious though, what's the downside to it? So the upside is easy, it's trust. The upside's the simple one to me, but what's the yeah. downside? Uh <laughs> I don't want to get fired. What are you what are you trying to do to me here? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm just thinking, does it, do you feel like it makes you, does it make it, uh, does it change how you have to sell ideas in? Does it, um, I'm just thinking for somebody listening to this, what maybe they ought to keep eyes wide open to. Yeah. My, so my, so my personal experience is, you know, when I, I worked in ad agencies, downtown Toronto for f over 15 years. And in that world, you will have a true variety of clients. Like you're not going to have the same guy twice or same woman twice. So you do have to learn how to sell to the target. And, you know, if we're, we're talking marketing, the owner is my target audience to sort of convey and convince of ideas or things that I think need to be done. Uh, I usually get, you know, a nod in terms of like, that sounds good. Uh, it's not always easy to get the nod to go ahead and execute. And Part of the reason is because there's a level of sophistication to marketing today, which is even way surpassed what it was, you know, 15 years ago. Um, that is not easy to digest. So I, I, so I, I, I try to figure out what the person, what what moves the person. How do you present stuff in a way that doesn't make them feel inundated or inadequate to? To, to sort of make a decision based on what you're telling them. So you got to figure out how to frame your, your argument, your conversation, your idea. You have to figure out how to frame it because you can't frame it for the same way for every person. So what I've come to figure out with my friend is if I have an idea and, you know, it's a result of a business problem. So what I, what I do is I go around the office and I look for problems. So if I'm, if I've got bandwidth that, that leaves me some, some space to do other things, uh, I go around and I look, you know, how, where, how's the training going is train Cause they have to go out and train dealerships. I was like, can that be, can that be converted into an e-learning opportunity? Can that be transitioned as opposed to flying a guy out every time? Is there a way to gain efficiency? What are the training manuals look like? Can we put them online and turn it into a test so that, you know, they're picking multiple choice as a, as an, the person on, on the dealership end? like, how do you gain efficiencies? I look for problems and then I try to solve them through marketing. And, you know, one example of that is, is uh, we were, because we're playing against Caterpillar, we're playing against Komatsu, we're playing against Hyundai, we're playing against global, gigantic, you know, Sani in China. We're playing against gigantic companies that have gigantic pockets. And so one of the things our dealers were coming to us with is like, hey, we don't, we don't have a, you know, it'd be great if you guys uh, gave us a simulator. Now, simulator um, is basically, uh, you know, as I came to learn, so I went and because I, I was handed over to me because they're like, you know, how do you do this? So I went and looked at it. I found a company in Montreal actually called D-Box and they do it for Caterpillar and they do it for, and so it basically it's a seat in a box with a screen configuration, either horizontal or vertical or both. And it incorporates all the functionality of the machines. You know, you got joysticks and foot pedals and all that, all that stuff. And it's a simulator, it's a training simulator so that when they sell a machine, uh, the guy who's buying it or wants to buy it can try it out, you know, actually cutting trees, um, virtual trees uh, on a simulator. Now, th this thing, this thing costs in the neighborhood of 40 grand per. Maybe it might be a huge number for a, a, a Caterpillar or Komatsu or whatever. Not a, not a small number for LTech. So, um, 
we needed something though. We needed, you know, I was trying to, you know, it's one of those things where I knew I had to look for the biggest bang for the smallest buck. So we started, you know, I scan a lot. I, I, I monitor a lot of activity. That's kind of not expensive to do to sort of, you know, have, have feeds come in that show you when stuff is, you know, I'm trying to push LTEC. I've been for about a year now, I've been pushing LTEC forestry. So that's working a lot smoother now. So a lot of people are tagging the way I want them to. Um, so I started noticing like a farming simulator. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually in communicate. I have, I, I have direct communication with a few, uh, deal, I have with all the dealerships, but even a few operators, like I have a few operators who I, I can actually call and have conversations with. And the reason for that is because, you know, they're, they're kind of guys that, you know, like, like they have drones, they like shooting stuff. And so, you know, that's, that's a content channel from my perspective. And that's why I try to encourage it. And I, you know, that's another thing I've kind of like went, I found a nut and then I went, Oh, I'm going to plant this as a tree and I'm going to cut it myself. Um, so with the simulator thing, uh, I started seeing farming simulator, which is a, a huge, gigantic uh, PC and console game. If you haven't heard of it, I'm a, I used to be a gamer that if I'm completely honest, that game bored the hell out of me. Like I had no interest in, in going and farming or cutting trees, but within the universe of farming simulator, there's a sub, there's a subgroup um, that are dedicated to logging. So you know, they, they, they set up these custom rigs and so I started seeing these videos. Then I talked to these loggers that I have direct contact with. And I'm like, you, do you play farming? So you ever play farming? So I was like, yeah, I love it. And da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, all right. And so <clears throat> I started seeing all these videos and there was a couple people who kind of made a version of LTech because you can, you can insert mods into the game. You can, you know, with blender and a couple other tools, um, it's not that difficult to kind of do your own versions of stuff. And so I was seeing some of that and then I found, and then I went like, well, what's it take for us to do this and have the whole fleet, the whole series of machines done to spec, you know, um, in terms of dimensions, but also functionality that it's, 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 it's a, an exact replica of, uh, LTech machines, but inserted in farming simulator. What, what does that look like? So I, you know, I, I, became part of the universe for a couple months. I bought the game, installed it, got to know the community, you know, yada, yada, yada. Found a kid, found several, but I had to boil it down. And I found a kid in BC who, uh, FDR logging, I'll throw his name out because he's a great kid and he is a kid. And uh, he's big on farming cylinder, big on logging, wasn't logging yet. He, he worked heavy equipment, but he wasn't a logger. You know, he was a gamer essentially who, who, who did mods. He had, he'd already done mods for uh, ProPack and, and uh, a couple other companies. Uh, but we were the first kind of like, you know, established big manufacturer to approach him with this project. And so I, I said like, Hey man, what do you, what are the files you need and how much he wanted to do it? He was so enthusiastic. He wanted to do it for free. And I said, no, 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 we're not, I'm going to pay you for your time. It's, you know, it's obvious that you're a proponent of everything and it's great that, you know, da 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 da. Cause I, I didn't know what level of confidence this guy had either. Turns out the kid's a genius. Um, so he took our engineering file, our reduced, very, very reduced engineering spec files. Uh, I gave him all the spec sheets in terms of speed, functionality, uh, torque, all those, all those sort of physics based um, specifications for the machine's performance. And one by one, we built out the machines. We, you know, I had, I had the platform and I actually, I found a couple guys at LTech 
So I did like, hey, did you play Farming Simulator? And a couple of guys sort of popped up and yeah, man, I love it. Blah, blah, blah. So I, I recruited them. They became part of my beta team. And, you know, over the course of, I think, three or four, maybe four or five months, he did, I think it was eight machines, the whole series, the whole, like, everything that Altec makes as, as their newest, latest series. And so from beginning to end, and some of it was like pulling teeth uh, because, you know, the engineer doesn't have time to give you files, uh, reduced files of their work for a video game. Like that's not something they necessarily get excited about until they see it in game actually. And then everything changed, right? But initially some of it was like pulling teeth, but you know, as I, as I would get one and then someone would come see my screen and say like, holy shit, you got the, wow. And can you, and you know, I don't know how to log. So I'm kind of like, I'm, you know, I'm the worst operator in the world on the thing, but I'm, I'm getting it. And the two other guys are kind of like, yeah, give me input and we things we, you know, it evolved. Um, so I'm not going to tell you the price because whoever wants to hire this kid to do that kind of work should pay them. You know, he should ask for as much money as he can get out of them. Uh, but he did it for a very reasonable price and he owned it. So he became the, like, you know, we paid him to do it. And then he does the, all the updates, all that stuff. We offer it off our, it's the one web page, one new web page from scratch. I modified some stuff, but it's the only new web page on the existing website that I made is for a farming simulator. We offered it as a free download and throughout the whole, you know, marketing aspect of it, I, I just, you know, really encouraged anyone to use uh, hashtag LTech forestry if they're going to record content. So we got, you know, now we have logging crews. Um, that are regularly getting together with Altec and other machines. I mean, the realistic component is you're part of a mix necessarily. We do have a couple Altec crews. So I, you know, once a month I'll scan YouTube and I'll look for videos that I haven't already found and I'll put them onto the, onto the playlist that I've created and, you know, I'll recirculate on other social media, da, 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 da. As a result, this is kind of funny. Um, we had a couple dealerships who called us angrily uh, saying, can you guys stop promoting this LTech farming simulator thing? And we we're kind of like, why? And I said, well, cause we're getting calls about it. You know, our operators are calling us, asking us technical questions about how to use the joist, how to set up the joysticks in the game and stuff like that. I'm kind of like, and in my head, I didn't, I didn't say it, but in my head, I'm like, well, I, you know, your phone rang because of me, you're welcome. That's beside the point. I get it. You don't want to answer those questions. Um, but that's for me was a true measure of success when was when it was, it became not only, I, you know, there's, there, there are metrics, rough metrics that I kind of did <clears throat> and just based on the YouTube activity alone, you know, when I did that annual report, which was, I think we were like eight months into that thing, maybe seven, eight months, we were already at 18 million impressions. And that's everything from game review, uh, podcasts, which get crazy numbers so anytime Altec showed up and like and uh, we just got this new blah 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 you know those guys who do those streamers who do that stuff they get crazy numbers now am i saying that the entire universe of gamers are loggers no i'm not but you would be surprised by how many loggers finish their work jump out of the machine go home have supper and jump onto their other rig in, in the virtual world. It was a surprising statistic in terms of the rough percentage I was able to calculate of loggers that go home and continue logging virtually. The other thing is <clears throat> from an overall branding perspective, 
it would be harder to spend less and get more than what I did with people now knowing. So the dealerships, which is kind of, you know, how we extend our business in terms of demand. So when we call or the dealerships actually call, a couple of them called us. Um, when they call, it's like, yeah, no, I saw you guys in farming simulator. So I, it's hard to get a better bang for my buck. And I'm not going to tell you guys what I spent, but it was, <laughs> it was pretty efficient. Man, if you would have told me that the way that this show was going to go was that we'd end up talking about Twitch videos of uh, logging <laughs> equipment in uh, Farming Simulator as the, uh, you know, as the, as the climax of the show, I, I would have been surprised. That one didn't show up on my compass either when I started this, <laughs> uh, this show. Well, that's uh, I, I think we need to wrap it up or else we're going to go for an hour and a half here. <laughs> It'd be very easy to do so. Yeah, I'm. I yeah, no, I'll follow your lead, of course. You know, just to, just to kind of just to kind of sell myself a little bit. Um, I I I do have a pretty extensive background in advertising, but today, um, what I'm doing with the business is I'm I'm actually trying to future proof it. So <clears throat> that's everything in terms of stuff I talked about from a CRM, ERP, help desk stuff like that'll come. I'm the torchbearer at this point, but that'll come. <clears throat> but that's also further down the line, you know, all the way to blockchain. So, you know, eventually I know that they, LTech, are going to get requests to have their machines paid for through crypto. It's going to happen. Some country is going to want to, you know, El Salvador. If ever we get into El Salvador, they're going to want to buy their machines with, with crypto. There's no doubt about it. Now, am I the guy to set up the infrastructure for the financial pipeline? I can, I can be part of the conversation, but I'm not going to set up. That's going to be the CFO. What, what I can do is I can lock in because, you know, there's such a thing as uh, crypto URLs. So, you know, altech.crypto, altech.nft, altech.dow, altech.blockchain, altech, you know, all those things. I bought all those things. I'm just sitting on them. You know, I'll eventually set them up as one pager landing pages for stuff. But I'm sitting on them. And the reason I'm doing that is because, you know, we're not the only altech in the world from a brand name perspective. And I don't own LTech.com, but I'll tell you what, no one else is going to own LTech anything else while I'm around. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have, I have taken, I have taken the lead, even if it's not something that's going to be fully utilized today, I have ensured uh, that the business is much more future-proofed than perhaps even most people realize internally. Um, and I, I do consider that part of my job is, is, Sometimes you got to take people by the nose hair and pull them in a place they don't necessarily want to go because staying here is more comfortable. Um, my job oftentimes is to um, is to take things to a less comfortable place, knowing that in the long run, you it's better that you do it early than late. I think that's some excellent advice for marketers. I'll leave it there. Thanks very much for joining us today, Alan. Uh, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. <laughs>